0: Hello and welcome to Quick Hits, a podcast brought to you by Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Ottawa, Canada. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, president of Borealis. Normally, when I talk to you, it's about terrorism, it's about national security issues. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to just focus more on the intelligence part of this podcast, which is entitled an "Intelligent Look at Terrorism." And I'm responding to an article I read in this morning's National Post, which is a right-of-center newspaper here in Canada. It's an op-ed piece. An individual called Jean Christophe Boucher, who is described as the program director of security of state and resources and an assistant professor at the University of Calgary. The title of his article is The Death of Canada's Traditional Foreign Policy. And this article was written, I'm assuming, in the wake of a disaster as far as the Trudeau government's concerned. The Trudeau government came to power in 2015 with the slogan, Canada's Back, whatever that was supposed to mean. I'm not sure we had gone anywhere, but anyhow. It's a change of regime from the Harbour government, from the Conservatives who've been in power for the better part of a decade. And one of the shining lights or the goals of this new administration, the Trudeau government, was to get a seat on the Security Council, something that the Harbour government had failed to do several years earlier. Well, guess what happened? We were in competition with Norway and Ireland for a seat on the Security Council, non-permanent, of course. They're, of course, the five permanent members. And we came in third. Third out of three. Didn't even go to a second round. Had all kinds of commentary in the Canadian media over the past 24 hours since his Brooklyn yesterday afternoon. The Trudeau Liberals, not surprisingly, are saying, well, it's okay. We're still back and we're still important. The Conservatives are calling it a disaster. They're saying that you know, over $2 million was spent trying to, uh, I don't know, kowtow to a bunch of third world dictators to help us to get this position. Lots of lunches and breakfasts and even probably some good old Canadian maple syrup was thrown in the mix. The NDP, somewhere in the middle, like, not, not that really matters. But this article talks about something which is really interesting. And one of its key phrases is Canada should retrench its global engagement. And the author, Professor Boucher, has three recommendations. But I want to focus on the second one that he talks about. The first one is about um, having a Royal Commission to examine our foreign policy. Good God, we do not need another Royal Commission in Canada. We have Royal Commissions every two and a half weeks in this country. Uh, First of all, I have a problem with the word Royal. Second of all, when I hear the words a Royal Commission, I see 12 years of lots of things and not much result. The third one is talking about Canadian values. And of course, he raises the point Professor uh, Boucher does. What do we mean by Canadian values? Eh, I don't know. Uh, apologizing a lot. It's kind of what Canadians do. Not sure how Canadian values are different than Norwegian values or Irish values. So we didn't lose based on values. But as I said, it's the second point I want to raise because it has some implications for intelligence. And Professor uh, Boucher says that Canada's foreign policy is currently overextended and confused. Uh, yeah. And his recommendation is that Canada should retrench its global engagement and strengthen its relations with key states that share our values. United States, although that's debatable right now under Trump, France, uh, the UK, Australia, Germany, Japan, et cetera, et cetera. They're all, of course, uh section of Australia, all uh, fellow G7, G7 members. So it used to be G8, now it's G7. Why am I talking about this in a, in a podcast on intelligence? Let me take you back about 20 years. This is when I was still working for Communications Security Establishment, or CSE, which is Canada's signals intelligence organization. Uh, for my American listeners, that's the same as the National Security Agency, or NSA. It's the same as GCHQ in the UK, DSD in Australia, and GCSB in New Zealand, part of the Five Eyes community, the Anglo-centric intelligence sharing network. And we at the time at CSE, this is prior to 9-11, of course, we were a foreign intelligence organization we didn't do terrorism we didn't do anything else but really foreign intelligence so we would collect signals and process those signals and analyze them and get at the intelligence and package it up and send it to our customers downtown the only way you can really advise foreign policy and in those days that was global affairs canada or was it department of foreign affairs or was it external affairs canada or was it the, For- the foreign affairs Africa? In- it had more acronyms than Then, 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 uh, anyhow, a lot of acronyms over a long period of time. And there'd be an annual practice that we'd go through. We'd go to our customers, so in this case, global affairs, and we ask them, what are your priorities? What are your foreign intelligence priorities for the coming year? And we'd go away and we'd leave them with a question and come back. And they'd they'd, they'd consult amongst themselves and come up with this list of foreign intelligence priorities. So what is it that Canada needs to know about the intentions of foreign states to help it manage its own foreign policy? We'd come back after two weeks We'd sit down and they'd they'd give us a paper. And it had 110 top priorities. 110. We'd look at it and we'd say, "Um, there's a problem here. We don't have the horses to do 110 priorities. We can probably do 10 to 15 really, really well because CSC was a fairly small organization back then. If you give us 10 to 15 of the absolute top priority foreign intelligence requirements, we'll do those for you. We'll do the best of of our job, best of our ability to get you that information. And they nodded their heads sagely and said, yes, we understand, we get it, we apologize, leave it with us. So we left them the the same task, discuss amongst yourselves foreign intelligence priorities and get back to us. We come back two weeks later, same people, same room, same desks, they gave us a sheet of paper, and lo and behold, there were 109. They dropped one. Which one, I doesn't matter. In other words, they still failed to understand that we couldn't be all things to all people we had to have a narrowly focused foreign policy and a narrowly focused foreign policy intelligence requirements. And that was not forthcoming. We couldn't seem to convince them of that. What they did was it was it was a grab bag. So if you go into foreign affairs or global affairs, or I'm losing track of what it's called these days, you will have a bunch of geographic desks and thematic desks and all kinds of other things, all of which have their own turf to protect, their own interests, their own intelligence requirements, et cetera, et cetera. And they want those intelligence requirements met. And so they leverage them on CSE and, to a lesser extent, CSIS. See, the problem with CSIS, Canadian Security Intelligence Service, is it is primarily a security intelligence organization. It does have a foreign intelligence mandate under Section 16 of the CSIS Act. but And this is really, really dumb, really bizarre, but don't ask me how we got there, but it's when CSIS was created, uh, the old RCMP Security Service, in 1984. They said that, C- that CSIS can collect foreign intelligence within Canada. Okay, you you figure that one out. So it is largely a CSE mandate. And yet, we're still, I don't know what it's like now. Maybe the requirements have been whittled down to 10 or 15. I have no idea. But this article by Professor Boucher, it brought back memories of the fact that we don't know what our foreign policy is. We don't know what the priorities are. It, we're all things to all people. It's like the prototypical Canadian always apologizing and saying sorry and trying to do all kinds of things. We can't. We simply don't have the resources and the people, and I would argue the uh, time to meet all these demands, and there's lots of demands on us. You know, there's so you have a whole bunch of francophonie demands. Why? Because we're we're a bilingual nation. So a lot of countries in Africa, we have foreign intelligence priorities there. We've played a role in Afghanistan for 15 years after 9/11. We've got intelligence requirements for Central Asia. We obviously have intelligence requirements for the Western world. We have intelligence requirements on China, on Russia, on you name it. And yet the government appears, and again, I I have to be very cautious here because I'm not part of this security intelligence, foreign intelligence community anymore. I left it. And again, maybe things have gotten better. I'd be surprised if they have, but maybe they have. But we need to figure out what is it that's absolutely critical. What do we want our security intelligence and foreign intelligence agencies to collect on, on their behalf, to process it, to analyze it, to extract the intelligence, to package it up, and to deliver to clients so they can make better decisions, make better foreign policy decisions. I worked in foreign intelligence for 17 years. I know what foreign intelligence is. I was part of a team that provided incredibly timely intelligence on a number of files, none of which I'm going to get into any details because I can't, which actually affected decision-making in, ver- in real time. So it does happen. And I'm, I, and I'm pretty sure it happens still. We need to get away from, and, and don't. I hope no one from Burundi is in the audience today. We need to get away from a requirement that CSE and maybe even CSIS collect on the intentions of the Burundi Transport Ministry. We don't. We just don't. It's just, it's, it's not, a, it should not be a priority for the Canadian government. The priorities should be broader. They should be really, the things we really care about, the things we can make a difference on, the things that we can actually get involved in from a policy and program perspective that are going to actually have some kind of an effect. They are A, in our interest, and B, they're going to have a positive effect on making a better world. That's what our foreign policy should all be about. It should not be a thousand things that, that break down and you get to the point where you simply don't know what to collect and you can't have the impact that you want. I, so, I, you know, if you're in foreign policy and, and you think that I'm slandering you or I'm misrepresenting you or I've got it all wrong, please let me know. Because this is the way it was 20 years ago. And even in my time at CSIS, where I didn't work in foreign intelligence, I still used to see requirements periodically, and they were all over the map. So if I'm wrong, I will humbly admit to my error if you show me that things have changed in a positive way over the past five to six years. If not, you might want to take this article by Professor Boucher to heart and start looking at what foreign policy is, what can it do? We're not the Americans. The Americans can worry about the Burundi Transport Ministry. Because the Americans have a bazillion people working at the State Department and a bazillion people at the CIA and a bazillion people working in the military. We don't have those. We're never going to have those. We're never going to have the money, never going to have the resources to do that. So we have to be very judicious in deciding what are our foreign policy uh, priorities. That's my opinion on foreign policy and on intelligence requirements. I'd love to know what you think. If, you're, if you, ha- you do work in foreign intelligence and you do work in foreign policy, drop me a line. Give me a call. I'd love to have a conversation. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at Borealis Saves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content or even hate this content and want to comment on it, please go to my webpage, www.borealisthreatenrisk.com, hit the subscribe button, provide me your email. You'll get a daily digest and so you can engage me in a conversation whenever you want. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.